keeping you up to date with the latest in Texas Tech sports. This is the Ask Level Podcast, brought to you by Double T 97.3. Welcome in, Ask Level Episode 10, powered by Double T 97.3, alongside Chris Level. I'm Choice Woodman. We are here after uh, what I'd call probably the uh, most disappointing game we've seen this season for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. They get walloped by the Baylor Bears at home. Level thoughts. Yeah, you know, in in, in many ways, choice. I think it was kind of, uh, oh, I mean, worst case scenario mm-hmm. in that um, – Hey, look, there, there was no devastating injuries or anything like that, but the, the result was somewhat lopsided. I think you were outmatched. I think that was uh, frustrating. I think you – you we talked about these kinds of games. You, you know, it builds to to this. You have a night game. You have a monster crowd. You have a lot going on, and you just can't quite deliver. And that that's, that's seemingly been Texas Tech's issue for the last decade. You just mm-hmm. can't get the, the over-the-hump type result that you're looking for. Because I think if you win that game against Baylor, you're set up for a very meaningful, competitive end of the season, and you're in the conference race. Sure. And now you you look at it, and now you're basically going to scratch and claw to try to get to a bowl game. So you've got four opportunities left, and you've got to win at least two of them. To and that's just to be 500 in the year. But you're trying to get over the hump as far as you know conference record and and all those things, and it just yeah, Bay- Baylor was just better than you were. Uh, they- they- they've got really good big people, and we said this on the broadcast, but Joey's talked about that all the time, man. Big people beat up little people, and that happened repeatedly uh, against the Bears, and it was it was frustrating. And also, I, I-, I say this worst-case scenario to you as well, in that y- you kind of feel a sense of, and people may disagree with this, and they're going to have their own opinion, and that's the beauty of this kind of stuff, but you kind of have a sense of, okay, what do you do now at quarterback? You know, what, what, what exactly, yeah. what, what do you do now? And I don't know if there's a, a no-brainer answer uh, because 11 of 34 and three interceptions, and we can, we can take issue with the offensive line. We could take issue with, with a, a drop uh, and this and that, but I, I think we would all agree Baron Morton didn't play very well. And there's a lot sure. around him that didn't play well either, but I don't know. I don't know if he's just like the clear cut starter this week. They're going to have to in the next, uh, you know, early this week, they'll have to decide what, what is best there and and roll with it. But uh, yeah, so that's, I guess that's an opening statement. So with that choice, I'll I'll take questions. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We'll take questions for the group. Uh, I I think, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said level. It it just felt like though the, the game as a whole on Saturday night against Baylor, it was flat. It was flat. I mean, you had, as you mentioned, drops from the receiver, your worst, at least pass blocking wise, your worst night of the season from your offensive line, where it felt like there was no time. 80% of the time quarterbacks dropping back. Uh, he is bull rushed almost immediately where the, where he's getting sacked or having to, to move around very quickly. Um, and then when we see, Morton flushed from the pocket. Morton, for the most part, flushed from the pocket. He's been fairly accurate on the run, throwing on the run this year, and he just wasn't a lot of the time. It was just, I think, and there were the times first... 
Well, there were times too where he held on to it way too long. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean that that's it, it was just a kind of collective uh and, and you know what? Baylor had a lot to do with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Be, because when you're able to, which they did most of the night, when you're able to create the kind of pass rush they did with just four people, mm-hmm. it's it's a problem. And that that way you can start to use some bells and whistles on the back end and really uh, what, what coaches would say, cloud the picture. Yeah. Uh, but when there's, you know, when they're not having to, to pressure and blitz because they're so good up front, because I mean, th- that that's a legit front, man. I mean, they're, and, and again, broken yeah. record this year, but it just seems like this is the year where, man, there's a ton so much. of old and experienced defensive linemen. And this is why they were picked to win the league, man. Is mm-hmm. that group and that group on the offensive line? And I thought they kind of worked you over a little bit too. Yeah, you you lost the battle in the trenches. That's that's where it started last night for me or, or Saturday night. Okay. You just unable to to respond to them bullying you on the offensive and defensive line. And and I think that's where the game to me was was just so frustrating. You haven't really had one of these. I, I think there's a strong argument that the three teams before the Baylor game that beat you um, were better teams, better football teams than you as a whole. I didn't think that was the case necessarily on Saturday night. You just got outplayed. I, I'm, I'm not saying Baylor's not a better football team, because, but it, it seemed like in every facet they outplayed you on Saturday night, and you never really got to – to compare yourself in the game. Even, even when you were in it at moments, it felt like you're kind of out of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think again, I, I point back to, there was a lot of expectations on that Baylor team. They have not put it together, yeah. but it looked to yeah. me like it's a team finally putting it together. They clearly played their best game against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's the frustrating part from, from a tech standpoint is you had played your best game a week ago and you thought, okay, more to come. Right. But now right. you've, you've taken a step back. And I think this is the first time this season and, and through eight games, which is crazy to say that you've already played eight games, but mm-hmm. that you feel like, you know, didn't, didn't show up or mm-hmm. weren't, weren't competitive. And, and, and it was at some point uh, when it was, you know, what, 24 to 17. Right. And, and, but you just, you never felt like you could get over the hump. And because when they got up 17 to three, the, the game was played the way they wanted to play it from there on out. And I don't care who you're playing or where the game is, if it's in the summertime or if it's in middle of October, you can't turn the ball over five times and expect to win in this league. It's just not going to happen. No. And especially when some of those equal points. Yeah. And it's it's just, uh, you know, you, you had a ball wrestled away from you in the end zone. You know, Donovan Smith throws a good one to Loic Fungi. You dropped that one. I mean, Baylor made those plays. You did not. And so uh, that that's the part that is is frustrating. It, it's a collective. I'm sure, you know, Joey will take a lot of blame and Zach Kitley will take a lot of blame. Tim DeRuder will take a lot of blame. But sure. it just was a kind of a collective loss. I mean, that. Last last week versus West Virginia, there wasn't one aspect of the game or your team that you felt bad about. Like, man, th- this was good. This was good. This was good. This was good. I mean, just keep going. Mm-hmm. Against Baylor, you, you really sense that there's not much that you point to and go, this right. was bad. This was bad. This was. I mean, it was just like <laughs> it's the same list, but it's all like the arrow pointing down. Right. These games are inverse of each Correct. other. Correct. I mean, yeah. They're total opposites. And yeah. it's just frustrating because this was a 
a two-game stretch at home where I think you had a chance to get over the hump. But like I said, this is kind of who you are, I guess, is what we're seeing. You kind of hope that you, you were trending up and that this was going to be a team that would continue to improve, but you, you've taken a step back here. And I think we'll learn a lot about this team th- this week uh, going to Fort Worth and, and mm-hmm. all that. You'll, you'll be expected to lose. Vegas is going to you know f- favor that. And that's the hottest one of the hottest teams in the country, and they're very fast and explosive and it's kind of a scary matchup for you but you'll learn a lot about where where this thing is headed I think based on how you play you know this this next week one more quarterback question then we'll get on to TCU and and some big news for the big 12 conference as well um so you mentioned you you don't really know what that looks like this week Uh, do you go with Baron do you split things up how does it look but and this may not be fair because the sample size was so small and these guys are coming in there cold. But as rough as Barron's numbers were and as rough as he played at times, the frustrating part is when you saw the other two guys in, they didn't really do anything to say. Oh, I agree. That's we, what we I'm need saying. to have that job. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if there, there's not a no-brainer answer there. That's the yeah. that's the frustrating part. Yeah, there, you know, and, and without without seeing. You, you know, what, looking at it through a coach's eyes and all that, I don't know who's who's responsible for what, who busted what, how, where's the judgment on some of this stuff to how you mm-hmm. kind of decide it. But you, you're you're right. I think uh, I, I I I'm guessing it, it'll be between Baron and Tyler. I don't know if Tyler really got a fair shake, but the first for his first pass is just that 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 gives you major pause uh because sure. he just telegraphed it and threw it right to yep. um you know a, a db from baylor that just walked in the end zone and that's when the party was over but uh, i i don't i don't know what you do and i'm guessing it'll be kind of you know a, a situation where somebody's going to get the start but there's still going to be stuff built in for donovan smith yeah. I think they're not going to go away from that. And uh, I, I think he he made a mistake last night, but he also had had a few plays where that were pretty good too. So Yeah, and honestly, I mean, he should have had a touchdown pass too, a mm-hmm. ball that, that wasn't hauled in that should have been by Fungi. He kind of looked like Fungi kind of let up after he thought he made the catch because the Baylor player kept playing through it. So mm-hmm. it's it's just, yeah, frustrating game all the way through. Um, as great as you had last Saturday against West Virginia, as much fun as that one was, this one was just just a big old dud against Baylor. And, of course, it doesn't get any easier as you get to go play on against an undefeated TCU team, which has been such an interesting case study this year, in my opinion, Chris. It's been a team that that has just found a way to win games, just, just found a way. Um, they, they've had some fortune some fortune by getting quarterbacks out of games by by facing a lot of second string guys but also they've they have looked as good as anybody in the conference on the offensive side of the football and I don't know if the season ended today is Max Duggan your first team all big 12 quarterback without a doubt yeah. I don't think there's that's any, what I would say yeah and and guess what I mean first team wide out uh, I think yeah, their offensive Johnston. line is their offensive line is is really good and if Kendra Miller is not the first team running back, he's probably on the all big 12 team. Sure. You know, I mean, that that's what, and, and the, the problem is they have Tay Barber. They've got, there, there's several weapons that they've got. They've got a tight end that transferred from university of Texas that they've started to, to find in recent weeks. They're extremely explosive. 
when I see TCU, they can show up with their B game and they've still been able to win because their team speed is such that yeah. they they overcome a lot of deficiencies because you're, you're watching against West Virginia. West Virginia has given them their best shot and TCU starts to withstand it, but then it's just hand off Kendry Miller up the middle for 40 yards touchdown. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Quentin Johnson running wide open. Uh, 40 yards downfield touchdown and then it's all these drives you've put together and you feel like oh man you, you're really getting it going and TCU just just erases it just like that so that that's the scary part about TCU their defense is not very good they are having to outscore some folks uh, but they have also I think only given up on average of about seven to nine points in the second half of this last mm-hmm. stretch of games so they are getting better as the game goes along but, uh, but yeah, no, it, it uh, and, and, you know, you have some good moments in Fort Worth, but you also have some PTSD to where they, they've run out of fireworks at times because they've Yikes. scored 82 on you too, you know, and th- those were teams that kind of shut it down. I don't think that your team will, but I, I I'm, I'm just curious what it looks like, uh, you know, because you, you need to scratch and claw and you need to, to uh, you need to you know roll your sleeves up and, and turn this into a fight, man, because it's not going to be easy. And again, you could still play well and lose. That's the scary part about the, the way this TCU team is built. And now they're really confident. Uh, they, they've got they've got four games left, and they've got two road trips. You know they're they're going to host the Red Raiders, but then they've got two road trips: one to Austin and then one to Waco in back to back weeks. And that's the, the those are the two landmines for them. I'm sure that most people are going to look at the tech game and go, okay, chalk that up. And you just only hope their players kind of buy into that as well, because going to Waco or going to Austin, neither one of those are going to be easy for this uh, TCU team. But yeah, I just see team speed as the biggest problem uh, for, uh, you know, for the Red Raiders this week. And, and then kind of consistency on offense, you know, because, I think there's a lot of things that you look at and you like about your offense, but then there's at times where you, you just and, and again it's it's kind of an an average to above average group across the board. You don't have any bad players or any you know, but I think your offensive line is is overmatched at times. I think in this game they won't they won't necessarily go up against one of the better defensive fronts, and mm-hmm. so maybe that's a that's a positive. But and I yeah. like the 11 a.m. kick too. Choice agreed, agreed, but. I, I don't I don't really know what to expect. I, I think I don't know. I, I've compared this TCU team level to you remember that OSU team that I think is 2015 or so, somewhere in there, where they just kept finding a way to win. I think they got to 10 and 0, and then they, you know, hit a wall the last couple of games. I think finished 10 and 2, lost Bedlam, all of that. This feels like a similar TCU team. I may be completely wrong on that. But it doesn't feel like this is a undefeated team that's capable of playing in a college football playoff. It feels like it's a team that's found a way to win games um, that is beatable. They've shown that in so many games, but they haven't been beat. So yeah. I'm not saying the Red Raiders are going to be the first one on Saturday, but I'm I'm also saying it's it's a possibility if you play. And Texas Tech brings their A game, plays much closer to the West Virginia game than they do the Baylor game, then it does feel like this is a team that that you can play with for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, I don't expect TCU to roll into Arlington undefeated. I, I don't think that is yeah. going to be the case at all. But, you know, I mean, at, at some point they deserve all the credit that they yeah, get. Of course, yes. Yeah. 
because this is a brutal league and they, they could have showed up in Morgantown sleepy mm-hmm. and it's a hard place to play and they they end up winning by double digits you know yeah. I mean so it's just uh so again I, I just think their margin for error is bigger than most just because of how many playmakers and the juice that they've got on offense and Garrett Riley to his credit has done an incredible job with that offense I mean they yeah. are I mean, because it, it, it's a scheme as much as it is players. I mean, and I think he's putting those guys in a really good position to – and, again, you kind of get lucky with the whole Max Duggan thing. Sure. Because Ch- Chandler Morris wins that job out of camp, <laughs> and he goes down, and then Max Duggan took the baton and was like, man, I'm never mm-hmm. – I'm not giving this back at all. Mm-hmm. And it's – you know, and I, you know, and that story's been, you know, uh, talked about quite a bit. But I'm more concerned with what's going on in, in Lubbock and seeing how the Red Raiders respond and kind of what, what you do there and how much fight you've got in you. And, and I, I, I mean, cause you, you, you heard this, but you know, that's one of the things that I talked to Joey about after the game, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you you're going to learn a lot about your team this week, aren't you? And he's like, right. Oh yeah, yes, we will. I mean, and so he's, he looked in the mirror and he's going to challenge his staff and his players and we'll see kind of what, uh, what, what we get. So, to wrap up TCU here, if you were to place or predict what type of game this would be, you're expecting a blowout, you're expecting a shootout, low-scoring game, what what would you anticipate oh, it, we see on Saturday? It'll be much closer to a shootout than not. Yeah, mm-hmm. there'll, there'll be some points scored for sure. You know what I mean, because I think it's that's TCU's strength, and I think that that's also TCU's weakness is their yeah. defense. And so I, I would expect uh, the Red Raiders to score some points and – and all that it's just but again also against TCU no lead is safe they, they have they have weathered many a storm in recent weeks sure. with uh being down and all that and they just erase it just like that so um no no lead will be safe but yeah it'll be it, it'll be a fun you know it's, it, for Joey's standpoint it's probably a good thing that you have such a, a high profile team that's ranked and and the team leading the league uh, you know week right after uh, you know, that because it's going to be nationally televised and he's not going to have a hard time getting his kids' attention after the way that they played and mm-hmm. the way that maybe that they all felt like they coached and, and all those things. So yeah. that part will certainly be uh, be interesting. But, uh, yeah, won't, 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 be, won't be easy, my man. Yeah, the, the numbers would back up a, a shootout. I, don't, I think TCU games have gone with the over uh, in almost every game in Big 12 plays so far. So they, there have been some points scored for and against TCU. Yeah. So uh, switching gears a little bit here before we take a couple of questions and wrap it up. Some big news for the Big 12 uh, in terms of TV contracts. Uh, I'll let you kind of break it down for us and, and tell us what this this means for the league. Yeah, well, the, the Big 12 has uh, being widely reported that they have reached an agreement, mm-hmm. a six-year contract with ESPN and Fox that will allow their first and second tier rights to remain on those networks. And you actually didn't go down, you went up. Mm-hmm. And I think Big 12 athletic directors, when all is said and done, are expecting you know north of $50 million per school. And again, that's way off from what the SEC and the Big Ten are going to get. But really what people are kind of trying to chop up now is how much better that's going to be than the Pac-12. And if the Pac-12 would, would can they beat it? Can they, you know, but the, the dynamics for the Big 12 fan, which is really all that matters, because now you, you remain competitive. You, you, you've established some security with your league. There's no concern about your league folding up or your, your league getting poached, I don't think. 
uh, because I don't think the Big Ten or the SEC are going to to make any phone calls to anybody in your league, and that would be the only concern that you would have about anybody leaving because mm-hmm. you're making more money than than or as much as everybody else. But now, now your and and your your games will remain on on normal television for the for right. the common fan. There's going to be some streaming component like ESPN Plus, which is what people have kind of got had to get used to. Sure. Uh, but I think Brett Yormark was not necessarily a fan of the Apple and the Amazon component, regardless of the money, because he doesn't want Big 12 fans to have to really search really hard for its content. Right. It alienates it a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, or you just don't have as big of a, you know, as as big of a platform in that sure. sense. But sure. th- this is this is seen to be really good news. Big Big Twelve athletic directors are excited about it, uh, and I think that the price, you know, Brett Yormark basically did everything that he said he would do. Mm-hmm. You know, he was pretty brash and transparent about it in recent weeks at, at Big Twelve Media Days there in Kansas City, as far as the basketball part, and and I think people were like, okay, this guy looks like the cat that ate the canary, and he sure is talking a lot, but what 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 do we ultimately get? And you you got it, yeah. So I don't know what it ultimately means. I don't know if that means that the Pac-12 is done or if the Pac-12 is going to get a deal that eclipses yours. But I think you're very happy with what you were able to establish because the numbers you'll see, Choice, are about 31 per school for first and second tier rights. However, this doesn't factor in your third tier rights. Uh It doesn't factor in NCAA tournament uh, TV money. Sure. And it also doesn't factor in college football playoff money. And that money will actually go up when it does expand. Yes. But all that money is going to be shared with these leagues. And so, and and the the main thing from a fan standpoint is you are going to see some basketball games now on Fox and FS1. That, That is a change from the previous deal, but this deal won't actually start until 2025. This is a brand new agreement right. that will begin in 25. It will go to 2031. And, and that, that, that is, that's about as good as I can do is trying to sum it up. Well, and one part of this two level is that it sounds like at least per reports that there are escalators built in too. If you add, if you do happen to add teams from a, the PAC 12 or anything like that, then th- that was the big concern back in the last round of realignment is, oh, well, crud, we've got to split up the pie. And it didn't make sense necessarily to add these teams because then we're losing money by adding teams. But the it seems like the, there's going to be escalators built in where you basically just give the new school the same amount that the other teams are, are getting. Well, and I, actually, I think the money goes up. Goes even more. I, if, I, I, I believe that okay. and, and here's something to pay attention to. ESPN has actually written that into their agreement, whereas uh-huh. I believe Fox has actually just verbally said, sure, we'll do that. But it's not right. it's not on, on in, in language in the contract. And so I think that is why Brett Yormark only wants to see this as a six year deal, mm-hmm. because you can get to the table quicker than the next time that the SEC and the ACC renegotiate. And by that time, if you do have new members, you can say, hey, look, now now this is what we've got. So there, there's all kinds of, of chess being played here and kind of playing the short term, playing the long term. But bottom line is you, you, you've got some security now and you are well funded. And, and, and what this means to the common fan is, is that you can now still afford to pay your coaches these salaries that are just continu- you know, continually going up. You can 
potentially buy, you know, operate in the buyout scenarios. If you, if you make a mistake with a hire and you need to make it go away and you've got money coming in and it's more than what you, cause I think the last count was 42 million per school, mm-hmm. but uh, with the new agreement, it's expected to be uh, over 50. So, yeah. but you know, SEC and the big 10 are operating nearly potentially as Double. much as 80 to a hundred uh, yeah. per year per school. So it's not really in the same league, but it's also, I mean, it's also not the Mountain West or the, true, you know, the things like that either. Got a handful of questions as we'll uh, wrap up the Ask Level podcast. We'll start off with one that actually asks about this stuff. Uh, it says, Level, do you expect the Big 12 to add any Pac-12 schools within the next three seasons, three years? I, I think they're definitely going to try. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I, I ultimately, here, here's the way I would answer that. If the Big Ten adds anybody from the Pac-12, then you almost guaranteed will add some from sure. the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. If the Big Ten stays put and doesn't add anything other than USC and UCLA, I think that's a, that, that's a huge question mark. So, uh, because there's going to be, a, there's going to come uh, a, a point in time where these Pac-12 schools that are kind of in limbo that maybe have a few options are going to go, okay, now we have to decide. Here, here's what this option is versus here's what this option is. What do we want to do? But I, I, I continue to hear that it's, it's Utah and Arizona that are really more so than any others of the realistic options. Of course, you'd want uh, Oregon and Washington but I think of, of the realistic options, I think Utah and Arizona are, are the kind of uh, the, the focus for, for the Big 12. Not to say that you wouldn't also look at Colorado and Arizona yeah. State too, which has been rumored. But, they, but it, it's been widely reported that there has been conversations with the Big 12 mm-hmm. and those, those four schools along with Oregon and Washington. Right. So nobody from the Big 12 that I've ever seen has talked to Cal or Stanford or Washington right. State or Oregon State. Those kind of – those four are – uh, kind of in a, in a separate category. And of course the Washington States and the, the Oregon States are, are hoping like crazy that the big 10 doesn't add anybody else. And they can still kind of keep some semblance of the PAC 12 together. A uh, tech basketball question here from Mark. Mark asks, uh, what do you expect your uh, starting five on opening night to look like for Texas tech? Uh, I, bl- I believe that will look something like, uh, I, you know, if Fardaz was healthy, th- th- this would uh, alter it a bit. But sure. I, I would, I would guess you're going to go with Pop Isaacs, Davion Harmon, Jalen Tyson, Kevin O'Banner, and Daniel Bacho was my. That's my guess. And that's pretty interesting because, and I, I've heard others talk about this too. But Isaacs and Harmon were both kind of looked at at as ones, right? So who who would be the one there? They're they're both guards. Yeah. The answer is yes. Okay, so both can be interchangeable. Yeah, I, I think Pop can play off the ball. Pop's a, a, a an elite passer. Uh-huh. Uh, I think he's maybe the better shooter of the two. But Davion is the can get to the rim and really he's got the experience and. Mm-hmm. I think if anything, uh, you're going to be guard heavy anyway, just because this is the way your team is set up without a guy like Fardos, right? Uh, because there's going to be times when Kevin O'Banner actually plays the five. <laughs> uh, so, and, and I, I, you know, so th- that that's what I would tell you as far as the starting five goes. Hey, basketball season, less than two it's, weeks out. I mean, we're that we're almost yeah, there. It's basically a, a week week out. Yes. Yeah, we're we're very close. 
A couple more, and then we'll wrap it up. This one's from Scott. Level, were you surprised to see Texas Tech kind of give up against Baylor on Saturday? Well, I don't know if you you give up per se. I I just think it just – it it went sideways quickly, and Mm -hmm. and it was frustrating because we have not seen that from a Joey McGuire coach team. But I I think Baylor bullied them, and I think that, you know, that's – Joey has talked about, I mean, th- th- again, y- you missed on a bunch of offensive line transfers here because you, you, Cade Briggs, Michael Shanahan, there's some of these guys that have come in here, Ty Buchanan, they're, they're just not ready or not going to factor in. And you missed on some of that defensively. Sure. You go add Miles Cole and Vital Scott and some different guys. You, you knew you needed more and better big people. And I think that group just kind of had their way with you. But this is why Baylor was picked where they were, because they have the best collection of big people right now in the league on yep. both sides. Okay, uh, last question. Level, who will be playing in the Big 12 championship game when all the dust settles? Right now, I would say it's two purple schools. Two purple schools. Okay. Yeah, that, that's – I mean, I, I – I, What a point, result on Saturday what, with yeah. Kansas State beating OSU 48 nothing. Who saw that coming? And, 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 you know, Kansas State obviously lost in Fort Worth, but they they yeah. led most of that game and they had, you know, variety of injuries. And you'd love to see that game be replayed if Adrian Martinez is the quarterback for Kansas State. And we may we might get to you, you might get to see that. So but that that as you ask me now. Yeah, that's what that's what I would tell you. I mean, Texas will have some say so there. Baylor will have some say so there. Oklahoma State certainly will have some say-so there, but uh, I, I think Tech kind of missed their chance to kind of factor in uh, to that to that yeah. conversation with uh, dropping one to Baylor the way they did. I think uh, – correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have the schedule in front of me. I think Texas and Kansas State go at it this weekend too, so that yes. should be a – Well, perfect. yeah, Tex- Texas plays uh, – Texas hasn't played Baylor yet. You know, yeah. Baylor hasn't played – uh, TCU yet, but there, there's yeah. some head-to-head matchups here to where that's going to kind of determine uh, which way this thing goes. A lot of football left. Yes. And uh, we'll get one on Saturday. Red Raiders and TCU, 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. And uh, we'll do it again after that game to to wrap it up. And be nice to talk about the first TCU loss, but we'll see. Level, <laughs> enjoyed it, man. Uh, we'll, we'll do it again. As always, man, keep hope alive, people. For Chris Level, I'm Choice Woodman. You've been tuned in to the Ask Level podcast brought to you by Double T 97.3. Y'all have a great week. You've been listening to the Ask Level podcast powered by Double T 97.3. For more from Lubbock Sports Station, go to double T 973.com.